in our course titled Healing from Emotional Trauma, Breakups, and Betrayal. We learn why releasing the pain of the past is so difficult. You'll learn strategies to make letting go easier, as well as release the energy in your body trapped from that pain. Register today at www.iamdenise.com or call 404-850-5151. Everyone has been hurt in relationships. However, many of us are not able to let that pain go. This prevents us from truly moving on with our lives and instead we become victims allowing the past to interfere with our right to be loved and be happy. We simply mud up our joy by holding on to what feels better in the moment, expressed or suppressed anger. People have a tendency to get trapped in their anger and pain. After they've been hurt and as a result, they become stuck. There are mental, emotional, and physical reasons why it is difficult to release the pain, but there is one universal reason why we should. We do not deserve the continued toxins that anger deposits in our bodies, minds, spirits, hearts, and being. Sometimes life isn't fair and knowing that makes us angry. We watch ourselves be betrayed, hurt, traumatized, and mistreated. We sometimes can't help but to be angry, but we owe our healing to ourselves. No one else owes that to us. People often think forgiveness absolves the other person of anything that happened. You'll discover this is incorrect. One area that can make it difficult to release the past is the misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. We will explore forgiveness and a range of tools to use as a part of your personal power. We will focus on nurturing yourself, changing your thoughts, and discovering how to manage your feelings. In this Denise Life Coaching Services course, you'll learn why forgiveness is crucial to your mental emotional and physical health, how childhood beliefs can interfere with releasing the past. You have the power within you to release the past. Forgiveness brings freedom. You'll learn why releasing the past is difficult and what you can do to make it easier for yourself. You'll learn the emotional, mental, and physical causes of your pain. You'll discover misconceptions about forgiveness. You'll receive specific strategies and exercises to assist you in letting go of your pain and moving forward towards the life you want. If you are tired of hurting from broken relationships, betrayals, and loss, and ready to take action to release that pain, register today at www.iamdenise.com. Welcome to the Let's Talk About It podcast with your host, Denise. Denise can be found on IamDenise.com and all social media platforms. On Let's Talk About It, we dive into the path along the journey while celebrating the human spirit, resilience, and ability to grow beyond limitations. Are you ready? Okay, then let's talk about it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It. I'm your host, Denise, and my special guest today is John Ruiz Tabanda. Welcome to Let's Talk About It, John. Yeah. 
Yes, thank you so much for having me, Denise. I'm so excited to speak with you today. Thank you so much. Awesome. You are welcome. You're 22 years old, right? Mm -hmm. So I have a son that's 24. So when you and I were talking, um, like in the pre-screen, and I was like, oh my gosh, you're 22. What are we going to have to talk about, dude? And then, <laughs> you know, we kind of talked about like what you're doing in life. And I thought, you know what? It's been a while since I was 22. So I, I wanted to talk to you to find out what life is like, you know, as a 22 year old, what you're going through, what some of your thoughts are, how you're seeing the world, how you're being shaped as the world literally continues to change overnight. And um, hopefully some of the conversations that we have today can you know, help someone your age that's kind of going through the same thing or something similar, or at some point could go through something. So 22 years old, tell me a little bit about, you know, how life has been with you so far. Of course. So being in your 20s, I feel like there's a lot that goes on that many people just don't talk about it. And that's why we're here to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, plug is good. <laughs> but this is where the dilemma starts, in my opinion. I think going into college, most people are, what, 18, 19 years old around the teens' ages. Mm -hmm. And society expects us to already know what to do with our lives. They expect us to choose a major, choose a school, choose the state that you want to go to school in and all these other things. And to have so much pressure to have certain decisions done by such a young age, I think really gets to people and no one really talks about it all that much. And being in college, I had a pre-med degree. Um, that was my original intentions going into college because I was being pressured by my parents to go into medicine. But then shortly after while in college, I realized that there are other options out there and I shouldn't be afraid to try something new and to kind of do something that my family doesn't really know about. So I didn't end up finishing that pre-med degree. I switched over to doing communications to finish up in college. Okay. And yeah, I mean, being in your 20s is just such a time of change and a time of getting to really know who you are. How much of your decision to go to college was based on you, like your actual individual kind of want, purpose, desire, in comparison to like society telling you that's what you're supposed to do, your parents have an expectation, and your kind of family ecosystem setting that up for you, like at birth, like you're going to medical school. How much of your going to college was based on you in comparison to all those other factors? I'm going to be very honest, 0%. I think that society and culture just automatically creates this track, this path for you. And it's kind of like you go to college and if you don't, you're going to end up nowhere in life. You're going to not be successful. And there's that certain pressure that was already added. So I got to say, I was just following this path that society already laid out. Do you regret it or do you feel like ultimately, even though you follow the path that society laid out, you see where it was necessary for your life? I don't regret it. Going back in time, maybe I still would have, have gone to college if I actually put in more time and effort to think about it, but I don't regret it. And sure, I studied something that I'm, I probably won't use for most of my life. But I learned a lot of growth skills. I really found who I was. I met a lot of people that I don't talk to anymore, but they helped me figure out who I am, what I like, what I don't like. And for me, that was the most important thing I got out of college. 
So it sounds to me like you're saying one of the most important things you got out of college was exploring your own identity. Correct. Do you think there's another way that you could do that without the tuition and have the same outcome? Of course, I think there's always many different ways to the same goal. And whether I went to college, whether I didn't go, I think there's I've always would have had met certain people in my life, certain characteristics. I would have been put in uncomfortable situations no matter what path I chose. And mm -hmm. I think it's always in those adversities where people really get forced to kind of push out of it and to find out who they really are. You know, a lot of times when people go to college, you know, they'll say, I'm glad I went to college because it helped me with this. And then somebody else who didn't go to college will say, well, I'm glad I didn't go to college because it helped me out with this or, you know, I didn't have to spend the money. But for you, with having friends, I'm sure, that went to college and having friends that didn't go to college, what is like the one difference that you notice between those two sets of people from your peers anyway? Wow, that is such a good question. I mean, I don't want to generalize it to people who did go and people who didn't. But one thing I've noticed with the people who did go to college is that they have more complaints about life. I think that people who go to college always complain about the student loans and complain about ugly college food. They always have something to complain about, whether it's the books, because it's a very um, financial decision to go to college. But when you don't go to college, from the people that I know, I realize that they have more time, in a sense, to think about what they want to do. They're not forced to study something for four hours a day and they have more time and they have more time to fill out their day with other things. I don't notice them complaining as much though, but that would be the main comparison I see between the two. <laughs> Interesting comparison. I would have never thought of that. And you make a good point that some of it could be financial, but I think another part alluding to what you said earlier is just someone being in a situation where they feel like they're following a path already set out for them as opposed to someone else who may be more um, aligned with autonomy to kind of like, you know, figure out what they may not have already figured out or have not, you know, something that's not necessarily laid out for them. And so there's more time for reflection and, you know, maybe really deciding what you want to do as opposed to doing something out of fear that you have to do something because if you don't, then you're going to fall into this category of life. Definitely. I completely agree with that. And the thing that sucks is this, that when you get out of high school, there's many scholarships and many financial aid that is only available to you if you go straight from high school to college. So I think that pressures people into going to college right away instead of taking the year off. In many institutions, if you take that year off, you lose a lot of that scholarship and financial opportunities to help you go through college. So I think adding that pressure is just horrendous and it really puts people in an icky spot. You make a really good point. They do encourage that a lot of times because they feel like statistically speaking, if you don't go directly, then you're less likely to go. And sometimes that is the case. Sometimes you find another path and you're less likely to go. And I think there is a system, you know, let's be honest. I do recognize I'm like a master's student. Like I have two master's degree. I double majored <laughs> for undergrad. Like if I could be like a professional student in life, like I would, I'm getting ready to start on my PhD next year. So I love school. I'm like, Congratulations. Yes. 
thank you. I'm like, yes, sign me up, a class, yes. But I, I do think that there's not enough emphasis placed on differentiated options that exist with people who are not just necessarily on that track that society deems is the way that you're supposed to go as it pertains to the business of higher education, which is a driving force behind some of the encouragement, <laughs> so to speak, because education is a multi-billion dollar industry, even though it's not looked at that way, but it is. All right, John, you're doing good so far. You all right? You're hanging in? I'm enjoying this. <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. We're going to take a break and then we're going to come back. We're talking to John Ruz Tabanda about living your life in, the, in your 20s, trying to live your best life, trying to be great while struggling with <laughs> the alternatives. Stay tuned. We'll be back. This is Denise and you're listening to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It. Today, I'm talking to someone in their 20s. It's been a while since I've been there, so I'm living vicariously through John Ruse. John is also the host, one of the hosts of the podcast, Time Capsule, right? It's a Time Capsule show. Yes, yes. Yeah, and you guys kind of explore and dive into some of these subject matters that we're talking about. Yes. Mm -hmm. I always love to talk to a fellow podcaster. How is that going? Are you enjoying that? Yes, 100%. And on the Time Capsule show, we give the mic to everyday people because we believe that everyday people have everyday stories. And no matter what occupation you have in life, no matter what country you are in, no matter what position in life you're in, we all have common struggles and common successes. And that's one thing we want to highlight through all these different people's stories. And I'm so happy to have met so many people and create a wonderful network. Isn't that awesome? Like, that's what I love about um, podcasting because I'm a life coach and so I'm, I work with people from, you know, different um, scope and walks of life, but having a podcast, you're literally plugged into the entire world. You know, I've spoken to people in Scotland, London, Australia. I just, I love that. I love that. Definitely. So let's talk a little, let's switch gears a little bit to the personal life and, and dating and socializing and, and all of that stuff. I, I don't know if, and I'm, I'm old enough to be your mother. <laughs> I don't know if I can say, oh, it gets better, <laughs> right? There's still like challenges and struggles that uh, people have in relationships when you've been an adult for an extensive period of time, let alone when you're just entering adulthood, you know, early 20s, late teens. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, if you don't mind sharing, like, you know, what's your situation? What's your status? And how is it um, in like a dating space for you? Sure. So for me, fortunately, I am single at this time. <laughs> you say fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying it for now. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the dating culture here in America, especially being in your 20s, it's so different compared to what I've seen in other cultures. I'm Filipino, so I've always made comparisons between these two cultures. And one thing I've seen in American culture, especially in your 20s, is that there's a thing of just having no commitments when you have quote-unquote relationships. I think people, honestly, I think people lack that um, deepness inside of them when they have relationships or they're, when they're looking for love. So I, what I've seen 
is just a lot of short-term casual things here and there with the culture. Particularly with your generation, so to speak, it's even more highlighted. Yes, that is mirror across the spectrum, you know, with older adults. But I would tend to agree with you that your age group seem to be more into just kind of like hooking up and not necessarily being tied down. And I wonder how much of that comes from, you know, being repressed by your parents. Because I remember when I was in my 20s, one set of restriction, one set of um, non-liberated, you know, kind of do as I want to do and be how I want to be. And so I think a part of that is people trying to find their own identity and not necessarily having to redefine themselves as a part of another person right after coming out of, you know, defining yourself as a, as a child. Um, so do you feel like that's a part of it where your peers are just like enjoying their freedom and not necessarily wanting to be committed? I think so. And one thing I think that aids to that is social media and all these new dating apps that we've seen, whether it's Tinder, Bumble, Hinge. And I think that when you have these certain platforms where it makes it so convenient to just hook up and not really get intimate with anyone and get to know them on a deeper level, I think it's just a catalyst for these short term relationships. And I, there's that certain there's a lackness of closeness that we see in relationships these days. And it's kind of sad, I got to say, because some people out there are actually looking for um, a more meaningful relationship. But sometimes people just don't know what they want and people just don't know themselves yet, I think. Do you think any of that has to do with something within the generation before your generation that's kind of triggered down to your, you know, your your peers? Or do you think it's really more so technology kind of driving that lack of desire to be, not to be intimate, because everybody's being intimate, but <laughs> but to be intimately close emotionally and psychologically and not just physical intimacy? How much of that do you think comes from whatever happened with the, you know, the older folks, right? Whether it's being so suppressed about sexuality and so restrictive about sexuality and telling little girls, you know, that you, you should be married or you should be this, or you should be that, or, you know, telling boys, you should be this, or you should be that. How much of that do you think comes from that? That's a great question. You know, I think it's a matter of both. It's kind of hard to say about the generational parts because being here in New York, I was raised in a very diverse neighborhood. Many of the kids I went to school with had immigrant parents coming from Europe, coming from Africa, coming from um, Asia. So there's many different cultures that come in with those different generations. So it's hard to speak exactly when it comes to those generational um, families. And I think that it does have an effect to an extent, like you said, suppressing sexuality. I know in Asian culture that that's really prevalent and it's frowned upon to explore yourself a little bit when you're younger. But then at the same time, technology has created its own culture in a sense. And I think technology has made it, like I said earlier, made it easier and more accessible for people to just kind of get along with these quick things. And I don't know if it's necessarily a good or a bad thing, but we definitely have seen the effects of those. I love that technology has created its own culture. 
which has played a significant role in the exploration of sexuality, particularly in your demographic and your age group. I love that. I love that. All right. We're going to take another quick break. And we're going to come back. We're talking to John Ruse. He is in his 20s. He's trying to live his best life. <laughs> I try. <laughs> He's single, ladies. He's single. <laughs> um, and we are just pretty much talking about day-to-day -day life being in your 20s and some of his, his thoughts and um, reflection on his experience. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. You're listening to Let's Talk About It. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It. My guest today is John Roos Tabanda. He's a 22-year-old who's living his life, trying to be great, <laughs> trying to survive, and trying to live in a world that essentially changes overnight every day, it seems. I want to shift gears a little bit and just talk to you um, about the political climate about you know, what's going on. I imagine it's very disheartening to just be in your 20s right now and see what's happening in America, how the very fiber of our society is changing politically, socially, psychologically. You know, we're on the, the, the end, hopefully, of a pandemic. And you know, the psychological ramifications and toll on that is going to be for quite some time. What, what's your experience in terms of what's happening in America specifically today? Yes, that's a very good question. A very deep thought to that. And, you know, what's going on in America is absolutely crazy. That's, there's, I think there's no word that could describe what's going on. I think there's so many weird things going on here in America, very confusing times, especially in a time where we thought that things were going forward and it's been very divided. And no matter what you believe in here in America, there's this huge divisiveness. And I think that there's been a lack of coming together and coming to understand each other. And when a country is so divided, it kind of makes you scared because we can fall any moment. A lot of times people will say that, you know, the writing was on the wall. You know what I mean? Like you could see these things kind of building up. And I think sometimes it does take something very drastic for it to be, be put on a world stage. Were there times in your life as you were growing up that you saw some of these things that's now on like a national stage in terms of like discrimination, whether it's because of somebody's um, color of their skin or whether it's because of their sexuality? Did you have firsthand experience with any level of discrimination that, you, that was a part of your day-to-day -day existence before it became you know, something that so many people are now, or are now having to really, really look at because you can't hide it anymore? Mm. Yes. And I got to say, you know, being raised in New York in a very diverse neighborhood here in Queens, we were I was lucky to be around different cultures. There is your people from Europe that I went to school, Africa, Asia, America, South America. So I've been fortunate enough to be around so many different kinds of people. And for the most part, I think that many people were friendly to each other. But of course, there were always um, some people who were very discriminating towards others. I remember one experience with my friend 
and she is of Latina heritage and she has a darker complexion compared to other people. And this girl came up to her and said, oh, wipe that dirt off your skin. Oh, wait, that's just the color of your skin. And when you hear things like that coming from little kids, mind you, like seventh grade, sixth grade, it really makes you wonder, like, where did I get these thoughts from? Like, where is it coming from? And just hearing those things coming from someone that was around my age was really disheartening. But sometimes it's no surprise because especially in the early 2000s, I think that the kind of humor we saw on TV and in movies was very different compared to what we see now. There were many different kinds of actions and words that were normalized and that people thought were normal, but now we don't think that they're normal anymore and they should never really have been. So it really makes you wonder, is it coming from home or is it coming from what they see on TV? Does art imitate life or does life imitate art? But you know, you guys get a lot of credit because you guys are badass. (laughs) (laughs) I say that my generation, um, a lot of times, I don't know if it's because of fear or we were just told that this is kind of like the structure of things. And obviously there's always, you know, some people who kind of rise against what they're being told to do. But I think that it's, it's, it's a natural part of people your age to make sure that they're comfortable, right? I think even in your parents, you could probably see this where a lot of times we kind of took things that was uncomfortable. We worked jobs we hated. We stayed in them for a really long time. You know, we took people's racist jokes and just kind of like, you know, okay, all right, charge it off. But your generation, I feel like you're very vocal and it's just not even understandable to you. Like, why is this a thing? Like you, I call you generation, this not a thing. <laughs> generation, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> generation, why are you mad? Cause I'm trying to be okay. And if you're not okay with that, that's kind of your problem. Do you think firsthandedly speaking that you observed older people to really be in situations that you you made them uncomfortable and unhappy and they really kind of stuck in those situations and as you walk your own path and seeing that you too can make that decision to either go that route or go the other route does that how much of a role does that play in you know your day-to-day life in terms of who you're being as you're adulting yeah I think I can only speak for myself but in my life I've definitely used the, the examples of adults that I see around me as an example of what to do or also what not to do with my life. And I think it's nothing bad sometimes. Sometimes what's good for someone isn't what's good for you. And you just have to acknowledge that. I think that there's many examples around us and sometimes we just need to acknowledge it. And it doesn't always have to be good or bad. It's just something that you have to acknowledge. And for example, there's some people in my life who have chosen decisions that impacted them up to this day and they're not completely happy and I see that in their lives and it's something that I take into mind and something that I don't want to feel when I'm a certain age later on so I definitely do use the example of other people and what they've done in their lives to influence which path I want to go on next what would you say is the thing that disappoints you the most about the world that we live in 
Mm. One thing that disappoints me the most about the world we live in, I would say it would have to be a lack of passion and empathy. I think that we live in a world that's been so driven towards numbers, whether Mm. that's in numbers in money, number of followers, number of friends, and that we've come to this culture that thinks more is better. But I don't think so. I think quality always outweighs quantity. And when you're able to just get that passion and get that closeness with certain activities and people in your life, you're able to increase the quality of your life without necessarily increasing quantity. Oh, look at you, 22. Snap, snap. (laughs) (laughs) You're so right. Because as a life coach, I have these conversations with people who are twice your age, sometimes three times your age. And I've had clients who has literally gotten everything that they ever dreamed of and everything that they've ever wanted, and they're still not happy. And a part of that happiness is because a part of that reason, a part of the reason they're not happy is because they equated more with happiness. And that's really not the case, you know? Quantitative versus qualitative. What is it that is important to you essentially? Is it the quantity that you have? As you're saying, is it the numbers or is it the quality? With you having that kind of insight, what are some of the things that you do in your life to ensure that you do not fall within the trap? Because let me tell you, I don't want to say every 22-year-old start out where you are. No, some people don't. But there's a great deal of people who at your age, was at this very same spot, right? Like very idealistic in terms of how things are, how they should be, what I will do, what I won't do. And sometimes life jumps up like the boogeyman out of the dark. And before you know it, you choose your destiny on the road you are taking, trying to avoid it. So what are some of the things that you do that you pay attention to mentally to ensure that that does not become you know, your, your life. So this is going to sound very weird compared to other people that are my age, but I stay off social media. I have my Instagram and Facebook just there so I can add people, but I don't check it. I'm probably there for maybe one minute and then I log out for the rest of the day. And it's probably been one of the most therapeutic things that I've done to myself. I've stopped comparing my own path with other people's paths, whether it's fake or real, whatever is on social media. (laughs) Um, I've stopped focusing on the numbers. You know, every time I post it, I always want to make sure I had a certain amount of likes and comments and that wasn't healthy at all. So I've also stopped doing that. And because of that, I've been able to focus more on my own journey, my own path. And I've been less inclined to compare it with whatever I see on social media. Oh my goodness. That is so smart because adults, a lot of adults, and I say adults, you're an adult, (laughs) but a lot of older adults, present company included, I'm an older adult. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people really get caught up in that. They get caught up in living life on social media and the life on social media is sometimes so different than the life they're actually living. Like sometimes someone will be somewhere and they'll take a picture and the picture will look like they're having so much fun but they're not even having fun. And then somebody else looks at that and you're like, oh, look at them. They're out, they're having fun. They're they're having fun. They probably haven't held hands, looked at each other the whole time, except for that time when they were taking the picture 
to put on Facebook, right? Exactly, exactly. So smart, so smart. You know, you're going to be all right. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I hope right. so. When we come back, we're going to do um, Q&A, and this is where you get to ask me some questions. You can call the section, ask the old person. <laughs> <laughs> And um, we'll just kind of go back and forth and talk about a few things before we wrap up. You're listening to Let's Talk About It. I'm your host, Denise. And I am talking to John Roos, 22-year-old, trying to live his best life, trying to live a life that is qualitative, not quantitative. And um, it's, it's been fun so far. So don't go anywhere, guys. Come on back right after these commercials. You're listening to Let's Talk About It. interested in being a guest on our podcast let's talk well if so we want to hear from you we want to talk to you about whatever it is that's on your mind that you need someone to help you process or to help you just kind of externalize it we are here for you and we are here with you if you'd like to be a guest send us an email to info at denisethelifecoach.com that's info at Denise, D-E-N-I-S-E, The Life Coach, T-H-E-L-I-F-E-C-O-A-C-H.com. Info at DeniseLifeCoach.com. I can't wait to talk to you. All right, welcome back to Let's Talk About It. My host today is a 22-year-old, a 22-year-old young man who is trying to live a life of authenticity and purpose. He's a host, a fellow podcast host. So it's always great when I get to talk to one of my peers because it's so easy to interview you because you're interviewing people all day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So this section, we're just going to spend a few minutes doing Q&A. Go ahead. You're you're on. Any questions? Oh, the you tables have turned. <laughs> you want to ask an older person? <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, now that the tables are turned, I guess I'm the one asking you the question. So let me think. How about this? Are there any moments in your life that you regretted in your 20s that you think may have made a big impact on you up to this day? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I feel like because I had a traumatic childhood, by the time I got to my 20s, I really wasn't able to experience my 20s just as a natural part of growth. I think it was more indicative of just escaping trauma that was unresolved. And so my decisions that I made quite often weren't a clear or sound mind. They were quite often um, an attempt to bypass certain emotional things that I didn't want to deal with, or I was literally just living off coping mechanisms. And, and that resulted in me really just wanting to not have to deal with all the things that I had to deal with before. And now that I was in my twenties, I felt like I was finally in charge of my own destiny and my own future. But you know, if you give a kid a key to a Porsche, great, it's got a key, but they don't, there's not enough practice to know how to navigate and how to handle that. And I, I don't think I was prepared for my 20s. And as a result, 
it was probably the beginning of a lot of bad decisions. I don't think bad, yeah, some bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is one thing that you learned from your 20s that you plan on continuing even up to now in your life? The one thing in my 20s that sticks with me even today is that I always had hope, right? It doesn't matter how bad things were. It doesn't matter how much I didn't know how a problem was going to be solved or how I was going to make it to the other side. I always had to have hope and faith. And I always knew that I could always pray. I could always go to God and that I had to find a space within me against all odds to believe in the possibilities. And I still have that today where I believe that things are possible and that whatever problem or whatever is going on, there's always something on the other side of that. And I think that's one of the most important things that I would tell you to hold on to is hope. Because once you lose that in your 20s, it's very hard to get it back. You become an angry, bitter, resentful. When you have no hope, you really don't have much of anything. Yeah, I feel like hope gives hope and passion are intertwined together. And when you have hope, yeah, the possibilities are still open when there's hope. But you also mentioned faith. So when you say faith, do you believe that the path that's laid out for you is what God intends for you to do? Or do you believe that you make your own path yourself? You know, that's one of the things I've struggled with because I grew up very religious. And so I really just believed what I was told. And I believed who God was explained to me to be. And as I got older, you know, like maybe in my 30s, late 30s, I started to question a lot of things. And a lot of the things that I was experiencing that I no longer wanted to deny did not did not equate to what I was taught religiously. And so I had to explore spirituality, which is completely different from religion and religious dogma. And in that exploration, I am of the belief that we are a part of collective consciousness and that we are capable, like a seed cannot be in a thing that is not capable of doing. I don't feel like we have thoughts that we can't. Every, everything that's created comes from a thought. So if I believe that I can do something, I think that's the primary ingredient of doing that. But at the same time, at the same token, a lot of times you believe and you want something and that's not necessarily the thing for you, you know, like you could be able to sing and you want to be a pop star as opposed to singing a church choir. Obviously, one person's going to be wealthier in the in the sense how capitalism measures it. But the other person could be just as wealthy because they're fulfilled and they, you know, they feel good about what they're doing. So now I understand that your belief system and how you think is a part of it. But I do think that you play a direct role in your destiny. I don't believe it's just out there and you have no choice. I feel like we have multiple destinies according to the choices that we make, you know? And everything you choose plays a role in the destiny that unfolds. So choose wisely. Even not choosing plays a role in that destiny that unfolds, right? 
Do you find that to be what what's what's your take on that? Do you feel like destiny's just out there and it's kind of like this is what it is? Yeah, that's such a tricky question. I mean, not making a choice is a choice, right? And I think that part of it is destiny. Like there's certain things that are just meant for you. Sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time, right? Mm -hmm. But there's also that sense that you need to make the decision for yourself and that you need to do something. Like, for example, let's say you want to be a model, right? And you're in, the, you're in the dressing room at the mall putting on clothes. But let's say destiny puts a, a fashion mod agent in that same vicinity while you're putting on clothes at the mall and the fashion agent sees you. Now it's your decision to do something about that. Destiny already put you in there in that situation, but it's your choice to do something about it. So I, that's why I think it's a mix of both and that you just need to always be aware of the opportunities that come in your life and to be grateful for those also. And your thought process plays a huge role in them because if you're in your head, pissed off, angry, you know, checked out, removed, cold, shut down, you may not even notice the opportunity that's right in front of you, right? And that desire to want that in the first place even, you know, contributes to that significantly. I, I, I agree with you. It's a combination of both. You know, they say there is no such thing as luck. It's preparedness and opportunity. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what luck is. So if you're not prepared, you're, you may not get lucky. And if, you know, you, you don't have that opportunity, you're not going to be able to utilize it in the way that you could. And then you spend the rest of your life going, man, one time. <laughs> what <laughs> if? What it could have, should have. That's the worst question you can ever ask later on in life, I feel. Yes, what if? Yes, what, if? what if? What if? So before <laughs> we go, what share some share some encouraging words of advice that you would give your peers as they navigate the you know the struggle of being in your 20s and the joys of being in your 20s because you know it wasn't all bad I had some fun <laughs> <laughs> yes I mean any words I would give them is when you're in your 20s I mean honestly who the heck am I to give advice or I mean I'm 22 I'm still trying to figure things out myself but one thing that I would share with everyone is just to just to live your life without any pressures try to stay off social media as much as possible I think that social media creates this fake expectation and this fake culture that we shouldn't really be following I mm -hmm. think that you should be content with what you have and that you shouldn't be looking at the designer things that a celebrity has or the cars that someone drives and thinking to yourself I need to do that to be successful no you don't need to take pictures with 20 people and post it on the Instagram so everyone thinks you have friends you don't need to take pictures of everything that you're doing and everywhere you're going because at the end of the day, the approval that matters the most is the one that comes from you and not the ones that come from your followers. Oh my goodness. Yes, yes, and yes. As we like to say in Georgia, that part. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's such rich advice because a lot of people are obsessed with having followers and being removed from the experiences that they're even having to enjoy their own lives you know, as opposed to trying to project that they're enjoying life. Just enjoy life. If that happens to be captured, then great. But let's focus be on enjoying life, finding your own happiness and your own peace. And um, I, I think you're on your way. I know it's not easy being, your being in your 20s, but you have really good insights. Um, I think that you have a pretty good lens that you can look through and you learn you make some mistakes that's a part of life but you know 
to continue on the path that you're going, I think you're going to be okay. I think you are okay and you will be okay. So thank you so much. Thank you. You are welcome. It was so awesome talking to you, John. John Ruse. Yes. It's sort of like, sounds like a mysterious pie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yes. well, Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Before we go, tell us a little bit about your podcast and how they can listen to you and your streaming and where you can be found. Oh, yes. Thank you. So you can find us on timecapsuleshow.com. And we have new episodes every Monday and Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube Time Capsule Show podcast. And you can follow us on all social media at TC Show 21. Awesome. All right. Well, it's a great show for you to listen to, especially if you're in that age group, because he's on the front lines. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, thank you so much again. Guys, you've been listening to another episode of Let's Talk About It. I really enjoy talking to John. For all my listeners out there that's in their 20s, keep doing it. Keep hope alive. Keep still. Keep steady. Find your own happiness. Don't let social media be the thing that defines it for you. Um, Tune in for our next episodes. We have a few more episodes coming up before we wrap up this season. And also tune in to um, Time Capsule Show. You've been listening to Let's Talk About a Podcast. I'm your host, Denise. My <laughs> guest today has been John Roos. And as I usually say before we go, take care of yourself and each other. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the podcast. Let's talk about it. Feel free to support our podcast by selecting the sponsorship link on this platform. Drop us a line or even be one of our guests. Visit us on the web at www.imdenise.com to learn more.